to see you. I hope you were able to be with us last weekend as we celebrated the risen Lord Jesus. But if not, that's okay. You can catch it online. It's still there. But the thing is, is we celebrate that every single time we gather. Amen? We live because he lives, and it is the best news ever. So the scripture that we ended with last week was from Matthew 28, verses 8 through 10. And it said, so they, and that was the two Marys, if you recall, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So we know they did exactly what Jesus told them to do because just a few verses later, we learn what happened as a result of their obedience. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there they are, church. Those are our marching orders. They will always be our marching orders. Until Jesus comes about, this is what we're to be about. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a second, didn't you just preach on this passage like a, a less than a year ago? And, and isn't that what David preached on soon after he got here? It absolutely is. And we're going to keep preaching about this text because it's that important. It is imperative that we keep front and center exactly what we're to be about. <gasps> oh, that always makes me so nervous. One of these days we're going to fumble, right? But that's why we keep this football around. Just like the game of football never really changes, so too the basics and the fundamentals of who we are to be as a church and what we have been commissioned to do have been, still are, and will forever be the same. We're not going to get as deep into the scripture today as we normally do. We're just going to ask and answer three questions. Why should we listen to Jesus? That's a fair question, right? What does he want us to do, and how are we supposed to do it? So I'm just going to put this over here for now. I'll just keep us. Look at that. We even have a little tea. Oh, man. Okay. See? It's okay to not be okay. Is it going to stay? It's not. There we go. Okay. So why is it important that we obey the Great Commission? Well, the answer could not possibly be any clearer. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not just some authority, not just a little bit of authority, not just authority over a few places, things, or people, all authority. If you've been worshiping with us for a while, you will likely recognize this slide. It's nearly impossible for us to wrap our finite minds around the infinite expanse of God's authority, but make no mistake about it, it is cosmic. 
God is the creator and sustainer of the universe. He is sovereign over every molecule, all present, all powerful, all knowing. He is good. He is love. He is holy. He is truth. He is the great I am. In his letter to the church at Colossae, Paul writes, he, meaning Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is a lot of all. It makes perfect sense then that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus alone. So not only do we not have to wonder about what it is that we're called to give our very lives to based on the Great Commission in Matthew 28, but we can know that the one who calls us to do it holds all authority over every single person we will ever meet, every circumstance we will ever encounter, every obstacle that may get in our way, and every ounce of opposition that comes against us. There is nothing we will ever face over which God does not have ultimate power and control. And he's our father. He's our savior. He is for us. By grace, through faith, he's in us. That's why we obey the Great Commission. Because the one who holds all authority in heaven and on earth told us to do it. And we want our answer here at Four Mile Church to be, yes, sir. So what? What does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's actually pretty simple, church. It's not necessarily easy, but it's pretty simple and straightforward. That is the what that we have been called and commissioned to do. So I've been thinking about the early church quite a bit. Reading the book of Acts is like watching an action-packed drama unfold in ways that you don't see coming, right? There are highs and lows, twists and turns in the plot, but always the kingdom of God advancing as faithful disciples followed the Holy Spirit's leading. For the first seven chapters, all of the action is in and around Jerusalem. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Just three verses later, it says that those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You see, they had to go. They had to get out of Jerusalem. And though we may think of persecution as a bad thing, it was the very catalyst the disciples needed to get after the great commission that Jesus had given them, to go to all the nations and make disciples. That's just a great example of what we learn in Romans chapter 8, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. We are the called ones, church. 
We are called and commissioned to go out and make disciples for the glory of God. And if there is something getting in the way of that, God's going to get it out of the way. We may not always like it. It may not always feel good. We may not even understand or recognize it at first. If it takes persecution, so be it. If it takes losing our jobs or our health or our relationships, so be it. God's ways are not our ways, but always and in everything, God is at work for our good and his glory so that his purposes will be fulfilled. Now, clearly, we're living in a very different, uh, you know, culture and time than the early disciples. And, you know, we're not facing the kind of persecution yet that they were facing. But I really don't think that we're all that different from them. Like those early followers of the risen Jesus, we have a tendency to get comfy right where we are and to keep doing what we've always been doing, mostly because it's familiar to us. And that's not inherently bad or wrong until it hinders us from doing and being what God has called us to do and be. I know it's a little risky making wide-sweeping generalizations, but I believe it's fair to say that for the most part, the church in the West has gotten really comfy. And our modus operandi for years has been, come, come to us, come to church, come to Bible studies, come get in a small group, come to a retreat, come to a conference. And again, none of those things are inherently wrong, but for years, we have loaded people's calendars with all kinds of spiritual activities, primarily within the four walls of the local church, and I, believe me, I'm not just picking on four mile. This describes the majority of churches in America. But church, it's not working. And it hasn't worked in a really, really long time. We've poured tons of time and energy, blood, sweat, and tears into making churchgoers. But we've failed miserably at making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who obey the Great Commission by going and making disciples, stepping out of their comfort zones, walking by faith, leaning on the Holy Spirit, living lives of wholehearted devotion in order to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, no matter the cost. It's way past time for us to get out and go, church. And let's not forget what Jesus promised us at the very end of our text for today, that he will be with us always to the end of the age, no matter what comes and no matter where we go. So we know why we had better obey Jesus, because he holds all authority in heaven and on earth. We know what He's commissioned us to do, and we recognize that we've not been terribly successful at doing it. All this then begs the question, how? How are we supposed to do what God has called and commissioned us to do? I don't think we have even begun to truly see and experience the comprehensive 
cultural implications and fallout of the pandemic. But if it has taught us anything, it has made crystal clear that we cannot keep doing what we have always done. It did not work before, and it for sure is not going to work now. Like persecution was for the early church, we can see that God in his sovereign authority means to use the pandemic for our good as a wake-up call for the church. It is the very catalyst we have needed to do things differently, to get out of our comfort zones and go. Church, we cannot keep doing things the way that we've always done them and expect different results. That is the definition of insanity. We cannot keep on staying on this hamster wheel of frenzied spiritual activity, exerting tons and tons of energy, getting nowhere. We have got to do something different. And we get that in most every other area of life, right? I mean, when we find ourselves seemingly stuck, we evaluate, we get rid of everything that isn't working, and we get back to the basics. And that is exactly what we have got to do here. We have got to strip away all the extraneous baggage that we've come to know and expect at church, and we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to the fundamentals. It's why we keep the football around, to remind us of our fundamentals, fundamentals like the Great Commission, which is our what. For months and months, David and the staff and the elders, they poured through the scriptures to figure out the how. They spent months identifying what it is that defines and directs who and what the church is called to do and embody. We can't look and see what other churches are doing. We can't rely on our own wisdom and understanding. This cannot be driven by our own efforts or expertise or strength. Everything we must do, we must do grounded in the truth of Scripture and Holy Spirit driven from beginning to end. And so going through God's Word, this is where we've landed. These are the 12 pillars that we've identified that mark the church as the church. These are the things that the early disciples gave themselves to. This is what scripture calls us to. You've seen them before if you've been around for any amount of time in the past few months, and I'm telling you, you're going to see them again. We're going to get immersed in them in the coming months and years. So I'm not going to dig, don't worry, I'm not going to dig very deeply into every single one of these, but what I'm begging you to do, if you haven't done so already, is go to our website, fourmile.org, and there you're going to find a framework. You can click on the Let's Go thing, the little box on the banner, click on Let's Go, and there you're going to find a framework for every single one of these 12 pillars. The frameworks briefly describe what each pillar is. They list relevant scripture passages that you'll, you know, help kind of flesh it out a little bit. You'll find videos that help explain each pillar a little bit more. There are portions from our catechisms and our eco-tenets that specifically speak to each pillar. There are recommended books to read and, and discuss, suggested venues to implement each pillar, as well as ways to exercise the pillars in various places and platforms. But this is what we're asking you to do. Again, go to the website. Have we mentioned the website? 
Go to the website. Read over those frameworks. Pray through them. Discuss them with your friends and your family. Shoot us emails or texts. Grab us after church with your questions. Some of you have already done this, and I can't tell you. It just delights me every time I see a little email pop up in my that somebody has signed up for a pillar. Thank you. I love that. But here's the thing. We want every single person in, the, in this room, every single person online, to sign up and get plugged into at least one of the pillars, two tops. And when I say every... I mean every, nobody on the sidelines. God has called this specific body of Christ together at Four Mile Church. You have got to know that not one of you is here by accident. And he has put into every single one of us gifts and skills and passions and experiences and faith. And he means to use each and every one of us to build one another up, to grow the church and to serve our surrounding community In Jesus' name, all for his glory, using these 12 pillars as our playbook. No one is more important than anyone else here. No pillar is more important than the next. Every person engaged, every pillar embraced and expressed. So if there's a pillar that you gravitate toward, but you're not even sure why, sign up for it. Learn about it, lean into it, practice it. If there's one you think that, you know, I I think maybe God has gifted me in this one, sign up for it. Learn more about it, lean into it more, grow in it. If there's one that you really don't know much about or actually one that scares you to death, sign up for it, right? There is no failing here, never. There is nothing to fear. We're gonna go together. We're gonna grow together, church. Within the next, I don't know, five or so years, we actually want every single one of us to work through every single one of the pillars. So don't stress about picking the perfect one. There is no wrong choice. If it's not a good fit, okay, we'll help you find another one. It's, it, it, it's so exciting. There's so much freedom in knowing that we're going to help everybody find the place that God has designed for them here at Four Mile Church. We want to get you... Um, We really love, I'm sorry, excuse me, we'd really love to start moving out on these in bigger and bigger ways this summer. So maybe, like maybe give yourself May 15th as kind of a deadline to to read through them, pray through them, think about it and sign up. I mean, don't worry, we're not going to have like 12 pillar police like going around and making sure you're signing up. There's nothing like that. Um, No, no stress, but, but we're just so excited. We don't want anybody to miss out because everybody has a place. Every single one of you, every single one of us is a valuable member of this body of Christ that we call Four Mile. Do you hear that? Do you know that in your gut this morning? And because, listen, I'll let you in on a little secret. Okay, none of us really knows what we're doing. Okay, like I know that's crazy inspiring, but it is the truth, right? It's the truth. We don't have this figured out yet at all, right? The frameworks on the website, they're just springboards. They're just getting us started. They provide some helpful direction, but we don't have roadmaps, right? We don't have a curriculum or a program that we're all going to work through per se, and that's quite a lot different than most of us have gotten accustomed to, right? Like we like plans to be laid out for us, do this and then 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 this will happen. Like that's what we like, it's just clean and tidy. We don't have that. But I think that's stinking exciting. 
right? The greatest encouragement that I can give us this morning is that those early disciples, they didn't know what they were doing either, right? Not only did they not have the handy-dandy frameworks that you can find on our website, they didn't even have the scriptures like we have them right now. All they had was the Holy Spirit and each other. And so they prayed. They prayed earnestly, desperately. They kept asking and seeking and knocking for God to give them everything that they needed and to direct their steps to see the kingdom of God advance. And then they just kept kept taking their next steps together. They walked by faith together. They learned, they leaned in, and they grew together. That's what we want to do. It's a little bit scary, I know. It's a little unnerving, not knowing exactly how it's going to go or where it may lead. But I know that I know that I know that our God is able to do abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. He is able to do more than we ask or imagine as we keep asking, seeking, and knocking for him to fill us with our Holy Spirit and direct our steps, strengthening us, giving us courage, knowing that he is going to be with us always, all for his glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, it's time. We have got to get after this. Too much is at stake. We have been commissioned by the one who holds all authority in heaven and on earth. We have been equipped by grace through faith with his Holy Spirit. And this, this is what we're aiming for. Throughout the tri-state region and beyond, the glory of God is honored Intimacy with Jesus is treasured. The Holy Spirit's fruit ripens in believers' lives. The holiness of God is revered. The goodness of God is relished. The truth of God is pursued. The faithfulness of God is trusted. The promises of God are believed. The grace of God is cherished. The wrath of God is feared. The commandments of God are obeyed. Humility abounds. The lost are found. Repentance and gratitude flow. Praise and prayer erupt. Lives and communities are transformed. Love and joy fill hearts. Freedom and forgiveness overwhelm. Barriers are broken down. The hungry are fed. Marriages are are restored. Families are united and prodigals come home. Amen. Amen. Do you want to be a part of seeing that happen? Do you want to see God do what only he can do in us individually, here among us at Four Mile Church, and in this community and the world around us? Church, if you do, let's believe him. Let's obey and follow him. Let's go, church. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we proclaim And we celebrate today that you are our saving God, our calling God, our commissioning God. We only love you because you've loved us first. And we can only go 
And if your spirit empowers and enables us to do so, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to receive the abundant grace you have for us today. Give us courage. Direct our paths. God, our eyes are on you and we trust you alone. Thank you that you've promised to go with us. So Lord, help us now to go. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. So we often pray for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know what that would look like if that were to happen in all of its fullness. It's that desired end state that we just read a minute or two ago. And so for our response time, we're just going to let you sit with that quietly, with that end state in front of you, imagining what an entire community would look like if every one of those things became a reality among us. As the slides progress, just ask yourself, do I want to be a part of that happening in me, in our church, in our community? If your answer is yes, then let's go. Let's do this. Let's sign up. Let's learn. Let's lean in. Let's grow. Let's all keep taking our next steps toward Christ together. Let's go.